the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. C.H. Dodd wrote, It is part of the character and genius of the church that its foundation members were discredited men. It owed its existence not to their faith, courage, or virtue, but to what Christ had done with them. And this they could not forget. Welcome once again to another edition of Study Verse by Verse, a short daily devotional here on this station at this time from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno with teacher and Pastor Leighton Sheely. I'm Mike Trout. So glad you could join us on this Wednesday. Pastor Leighton is continuing in the book of John, open to the 16th chapter, and you'll be able to uh, follow along. More details about this ministry are on the web at studyversebyverse.com. Here's Pastor Leighton. Verse 28, Jesus says, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. So he tells them plainly that he came from God, that he's going back to God. This is a tremendous claim because he's claiming to be the Son of God. And that for him, the death on the cross is not a criminal's death, but it's the way back to God. Now, James Montgomery Boyce notes that there are four parts to verse 28 that summarize four doctrines of the Christian faith. They are first, the doctrine of his heavenly origin, that Christ was preexistent and is fully God. Second, there is the doctrine of incarnation, voluntarily assumed. Third, there is his voluntarily return, voluntary return to God by way of the crucifixion, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And fourth, there is the matter of his heavenly destiny. Now, let's look each, at each of these doctrines briefly. First, a heavenly origin. Jesus said... I came from the Father. Now, interesting, that's one of the things that the disciples observe and note in their statement of faith. It was a common way of talking about the Messiah coming into the world. Uh, For instance, the people who witnessed the miracle of Jesus' multiplication of the loaves and fish exclaimed, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. They were speaking of the Messiah, which is obvious and evident by the fact that they wanted to make him king. And then Martha confessed, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. John chapter 11. So Jesus was the one who was sent into the world by God for the purpose of redemption. And then secondly, there's the incarnation. Jesus said, I've come into the world. Now, he speaks here of having come into the world as as distinct from having been sent but elsewhere, he has said that he, he was sent by the Father, the Father who sent me, in, for instance, in John twelve forty nine. But the point that he is emphasizing here is the voluntary nature of his incarnation. Incarnate means in the flesh. So we talk about God incarnate, God in the flesh. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. Now that begs the question then, well, why did God have to become flesh? And the answer is given for us in Hebrews chapter 2. 
which reads, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. And then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. The incarnation. And then a voluntary departure. Jesus says, I am leaving the world. And what he's saying here is that the crucifixion was not something that was imposed upon him against his will. But it was the reason for which he came into the world. He said, I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and to take it up again. He voluntarily came into the world. He voluntarily left through the crucifixion. Donald Gray Barnhouse was, uh, I'm told, talking with some students one day about the atonement. He used the illustration of a judge who was sitting on the bench one day and his very own son was brought before him accused of reckless driving. The charge was clearly proven. And the judge adjourned the uh, judge uh, find the young man the full amount that was permitted under the law. Then the judge adjourned the court, stepped down from the bench, and paid his son's fine. A girl, a student who had been listening, very intently objected, but God can't get down off the bench. And Bonhaus' answer was, you've given me one of the best illustrations of the incarnation that I will ever have. For Jesus Christ was God come down off the bench to pay the fine which he'd imposed on us for our sin. And then finally, Christ's destiny and departure. Jesus said, I'm going to the Father. Now, what's the significance to us that Jesus returned to the Father? Well, there are several. First off, it shows us that Jesus' redemption work is complete. It's finished. If it wasn't, he'd still be here doing the work. But it's done, and therefore he has returned to heaven. That's what the writer of Hebrews says when he writes, But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And then second, the fact that Christ has returned to heaven shows that he's now in a place where he's able to impart spiritual gifts, such as the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember that Jesus said, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so Jesus is able to impart spiritual gifts. And then thirdly, his present position at the right hand of the Father is one at which he intercedes for his own. That's what the writer of Romans speaks of in Romans chapter 8. And the writer of Hebrews says, when he writes, therefore he is able to save completely 
those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Christ's present position in heaven provides the basis from which the fulfillment of his promise to return again can be fulfilled. And when he comes again, he's going to come in great power and glory with his holy angels. And so we have this great movement of salvation from heaven to earth and back to heaven again. Christ's heavenly origin is important because otherwise he could not be our savior. And his heavenly destination is important because it witnesses to the Father's approval of his work. Verse 29, his disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. And this is why we believe that you came from God. Now, in Jewish thought, remember that Jesus was Jewish and the original disciples, the disciples were all Jewish, the original believers were Jewish. In Jewish thought, the ability to anticipate questions was a mark of divinity. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Something that God can do and only God can do. He knows our needs, he knows our thoughts before we do. And so here the disciples acknowledge no further need to ask Jesus any questions because he's already been shown on a number of occasions to know people's thoughts and their intentions. And so they declare here, they think that their difficulty is all taken care of, that he's going to speak clearly, and indeed Jesus does speak plainly. But the problem is the disciples do not yet have the capacity to understand what Jesus says. If they really had understood what Jesus was saying, then they would have reacted very differently when the time of crisis came. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Now, what Jesus said can either be taken as a question or a statement. Um, Jesus here is not expressing doubt in the fact of the disciples' faith, but Rather, it's, he's giving attention to the inadequacy of the disciples' faith at this point. You see, they do believe, but they don't yet have enough depth or quality of faith to be able to stand firm in times or in the face of difficulty and danger and persecution. And so what Jesus shows here is he's not deceived by the disciples' claim to confidence. He knows that there are limits to their faith, and that these limits will soon be displayed. Verse 32, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. You know, it's very comforting uh, to me and, and to many that, to recognize that the entire apostolic group was made up of, of believers of this caliber. You know, I mean, think about what they're saying right here. Hey, we're with you, Jesus. And then in a few hours, they're going to be everywhere except. And yet God, in his mercy and grace, ultimately transforms these men into men who turn the world upside down for Christ Jesus. And this very poor beginning serves to remind us that Christianity owes its establishment not to the apostles, 
but to Jesus Christ. C.H. Dodd wrote, It is part of the character and genius of the church that its foundation members were discredited men. It owed its existence not to their faith, courage, or virtue, but to what Christ had done with them. And this they could not forget. Now, the limitations of their faith would be shown shortly when they abandoned the Lord. And their failure was recorded faithfully in the scriptures. I am so thankful that our salvation doesn't depend on the strength of our faith. You're listening to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. He's continuing in the book of John. We'll pick it up right there tomorrow when we come back. Studying God's Word, getting together with others, and going through the Word of God one verse at a time is very important to the congregation at Church of the Highlands. That's why there are so many adult classes and groups. You can find out more about those when you go to the website at churchofthehighlands.org. Just click on the adult class schedule. That's churchofthehighlands.org. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us today. We'll join you tomorrow at this same time and open the Word of God to study verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.